Blog Talk Radio. I'm Diana from Delivering the Truth and Exposing the Lies. Join Ross and myself every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time while we deliver the truth about what's really going on in the world. You don't want to miss our show. See you then. Hello Freedomizers, I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Ripper. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitution or cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Now, let's get back to the Proof Negative show here on FreedomizerRadio.com.
great night here on Freedomizer Radio. Of course, I'm your host, Proof Negative, the big kahuna here on Freedomizer. I want to thank everybody so much for finding us today. Today happens to be Tuesday. Uh, I'm expecting a co-host tonight. Uh, They did not call out, but we'll see. It took me a few minutes to get onto the, uh, the platform today, so the tardiness had nothing to do with me, I promise. So if anyone wants to be a part of the show, the number here is 319-527-6208. And just press lucky number one on your phone, and I will make it a point to bring you into the conversation. All right. So first order of business here. I, uh, I'm looking at, at current news here, and it appears that Colorado State is the first state to go way liberal and decide that that Trump is not eligible to be on the ballot. So they they don't want to take any precautions that Trump, even though he's by and far the person most likely to win the 2024 presidency. They're loving and liberal, so they don't want to take any chances that Brandon or insert Democrat puppet here might possibly win this election. So they are, uh, they're trying their best. This will go to the Supreme Court, and we'll see how many liberals and how many of the bad hires that Trump made for the Supreme Court to see how many of them agree 
that Trump should not be on the ballot. Trump was never charged once with, with, with any insurrection, but he, he's charged with possibly trying to win the nomination, which they've said. So there's that. That's one way, I guess, to to try and uh, and have your new world order. And the thing is, is that every liberal state, if this goes through, if this is allowed, every other liberal state is going to try this. Uh, I'm hoping that people can hear me. I, I have no clue. I'm supposed to have a co-host right now. Um, we've had issues with the whole blog talk radio platform. So I'm hopeful. But I'll keep going and I'll just, uh, I'll play a lot of clips. I, I'm uh, going to let everybody know if I'm by myself, I'm probably leaving early today. I'm not going to stay the three hours. I uh, I had a concussion last night. And so uh, I'm using this product called uh, Arnica. So uh, it's supposed to be pain relief for muscles, joints, and back. I'm, I'm just, uh, the company is T-Relief. I've used it twice. Uh, today so far, you're supposed to put 10 drops under your tongue. So I've been doing that. I, I was at like a 7 out of 10 this morning. I'm down to like a 3. So uh, I'm assuming it's working. So I, I want to get some clips in here. I haven't uploaded any clips yet. But uh, I'm going to let a lot of the other people that, uh, that I follow, uh, we're going to let them do a lot of the talking, and I'll, I'll come in and give some commentary. But I want to play some clips so everybody knows that we're, we're live. But I'm, I'm not – I could – I'm in one of those positions where with a, a concussion, it, it's hard for me to stare at a screen right now. So um just trying to trying to go a little slow today, especially if I'm by myself because I, I had no idea I was going to be by myself. So I'll go ahead and uh start loading some stuff up here. All right, what can I do first here? So uh all right, I can get into that too here. So All right, so if you hear just me typing, uh, I'm aware of that. Uh, we have dead air right now. Let me get one clip uploaded, and I'll see if the other one that I just uploaded is ready. But I can't do anything until this one uploads. I, I wasn't able to do anything uh, until we started getting the show commercials done. So let me see if, uh, 
There we go. All right. So I'll get this Trump one done here. Benny Johnson. We're going to listen to him for a little bit. First things first, I'm going to say the word inside my head. I'm fired up and tired of the way that thing I'm parting from the pain, taking my message from the veins, speaking my lesson from the brain, seeing the beauty through the... What's up, guys? It's your boy, Benny. Here's a non-esoteric, very real, terrifying question for Democrat oligarchs and elites that keep them up at night in cold sweats. What happens when Orange Hitler kicks our ass? What happens when the man who's very, very popular, who we've said is a threat to democracy, and you can't vote for him because he's an anthraxonist, what happens when the American public tells us to get bent? What happens when the American public prefers this man? What happens when they vote in spite of everything we've thrown at him for Donald Trump in massive numbers, numbers like we've never seen before. Check this out, ladies and gentlemen, from the Real Clear Politics polls today. This, the historic split between Donald Trump and Joe Biden right now, with Donald Trump winning by six-point spreads against Joe Biden. This is the end of the end. This is the end of their oligarchy. This is the end of their control over media and minds. This is the end of their control over a system that has only benefited them. And so it must be protected at all costs. And so everything must be thrown against Donald Trump. They've tried lawfare. They've tried the courts. They've tried criminal cases. They've tried everything they can. And it's all failed. In fact, Donald Trump has only become more popular. So what's next? What's next is the next iteration of third world lawfare. Get the Supreme Court to declare that Donald Trump is disqualified for office. That's right. This is what they've done actually in other third world nations around the world. They just did this in Brazil, actually, to uh, Yair Bolsonaro. And now it's happening here in America. We would invade other countries for doing this to their presidential candidates, but now it's happening in Colorado of all places. Colorado Supreme Court rules Trump is disqualified from running for president, removed from the state ballot under the 14th Amendment for engaging in an insurrection. A couple of quick, very important things here. An insurrection is an armed takeover or attempted overthrow of the government. Donald Trump said march peacefully. Nobody was armed. Nobody attempted to overthrow anything. In fact, everyone left when peacefully asked what happened. Everything else is a PSYOP. All of it is a PSYOP. They're using an old Civil War law that says that if you were a Confederate and you fought a war against the Union, you can no longer hold office. And even those were stayed back in the 1860s. The American legal system said even this is like technically unconstitutional. Section 3, Article 14, Amendment bars officials from seeking future office that should have engaged in insurrection. This hasn't been used since the Civil War. The decision may not stick. Trump plans to appeal it at the Supreme Court, and the Republican National Committee has also plans to sue. Colorado Supreme Court did, in fact, though, rule that according to the insurrection of January 6th, which is fake, you see now why they must protect that narrative so much. You see why they hate us so much for exposing this. A 4-3 decision, the Democrat-appointed justices, by the way, every Supreme Court Justice in in Colorado has been appointed by a Democrat. Uh, The high court ruled the ex-president and 2024 hopeful is not eligible for the presidency and would be kept off the Colorado ballot. The 14th Amendment was approved after the Civil War 
and Barr's officials from seeking future office that engaged in insurrection. Do you understand what game they're playing? Do you understand why they use the word insurrection so much? How they beat it into the ground. They hammered it bloody into the earth. Insurrection, 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 insurrection. Even though Donald Trump hasn't been charged for insurrection, nobody's filed a seditious conspiracy or insurrection charge against Donald Trump. So what the Colorado court is doing here is twofold. And I'm going to talk to you about how it's all fake here in just a second. So don't get too keyed up. It's all fake. All of this is fake. None of this is actually real. But they're trying to elicit a response out of you. Okay? So listen very carefully. They're essentially saying that the First Amendment isn't real. This is how you get a 9-0 Supreme Court decision against you. These libs in Colorado and these absolute and total like seething degenerates in Colorado are effectively saying, and here's their ruling, a majority of the court holds that President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. Because he is disqualified, it would be a wrongful act under the election code of Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate for ballots. And then they get to the very important part right here that we'll get to in a second about the stay. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the decision that they've made, and this is making all of the headlines. But it's very important to like look and read between the lines as to what's happening here. First, they're saying that Donald Trump, effectively by questioning the outcome of an election, which presidents have done effectively since the first election in America, like since John Adams versus Thomas Jefferson, right? The first contested presidential election. People have been contesting elections here in America. So this isn't new. Uh, secondarily, it's certainly not new to have alternate electors and to challenge the election and so forth in the courts that Donald Trump did. And thirdly, Donald Trump saying that he thinks there's a stolen election isn't wrong because we have a First Amendment and you can say what you think, given the First Amendment. This effectively eviscerates the First Amendment. Forget the 14th Amendment. Screw the Civil War. Screw all of this stuff. It just eliminates Donald Trump's ability to talk Donald Trump can't even say what he thinks. Under this exact same thinking, you could put Hillary Clinton in jail. The exact same thing. Al Gore should be in prison. Al Gore should be behind bars. Because both of them, along with Stacey Abrams, along with everyone, along with every Democrat that's lost over the last 50 years, has said it's been stolen from them. The elections were stolen from them. And so every one of them should be disqualified from the ballot, given this ruling. This is an insane, absolute bullshit ruling that has, has zero legal merit, and we haven't even gotten to the actual point of the ruling here, okay? Here's what CNN is going with. Colorado Supreme Court removes Trump from 2024 ballot based on the 14th Amendment insurrectionist ban. Again, Donald Trump has not been charged ever with insurrection. Donald Trump has not been found guilty of insurrection or seditious conspiracy or anything. Here are the four enemies of democracy in the Colorado Supreme Court that voted to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Here are their faces. Remember their faces. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, God. oh, low T. Oh, man, low T. It is uh, incredibly, incredibly uh, despicable, this ruling. And it's meant for a purpose. It is meant to irritate you. It is meant to inflame you. It is meant to get you to do something stupid. Remember that. We'll get to that in just a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how this ruling is actually fake. Ben Carson saying Colorado just decided to disenfranchise the people of their state by choosing to remove Donald Trump's ballot. The government is big enough to give you everything. It is big enough to take away everything, including your ability to choose a president. That is so very true. In other words, a state court has found Trump guilty of a federal crime in which he's never been charged based on informal allegations of unlawful conduct that took place 2,000 miles from the court's jurisdiction. This is patently absurd, says Ed Morrissey. 
absolutely absurd, of course. Colorado Supreme Court got the First Amendment in a Trump deranged ruling worthy of the worst jurist in the Third Reich, says Charlie Kirk. Correct. Ladies and gentlemen, again, name them and shame them. These are the jurists, if you wish to call them that, hardened Democrat Marxist communists. Colorado has gone full communist. The campaign says the Colorado uh, ruling is completely flawed and they will be appealing in the Supreme Court. Keep that in mind. That is really important. Watch this. Just getting that breaking news about the Colorado State Supreme Court uh, saying, based on the 14th Amendment and uh, former President Trump's actions during January 6th, that he is not allowed to be on the ballot uh, in Colorado. Just receiving word from the Trump campaign, a reaction to this ruling, quote, unsurprisingly, the all-Democrat appointed Colorado Supreme Court has ruled against President Trump, supporting a Soros-funded left-wing group scheme to interfere in election on behalf of crooked Joe Biden by removing President Trump's name from the ballot and eliminating the rights of Colorado voters to vote for the candidate of their choice. Democrat Party leaders are in a state of paranoia over the growing dominant lead President Trump has amassed in the polls. They've lost faith in the failed Facts. Biden presidency and are now doing everything they can to stop the American voters from throwing them out of office next November. The Colorado Supreme Court issued a completely flawed decision tonight. We will swiftly file an appeal to the United States Supreme Court and a concurrent request for a stay of this deeply undemocratic decision. We have full confidence that the Supreme Court will quickly rule in our favor and finally put an end to these un-American lawsuits. Again, so this is, okay, once again, it could be actually a very good thing what's happening here, and I'll explain. So here's the actual order, okay? Therefore, to maintain the status quo pending any review of the U.S. Supreme Court, we stay our ruling until January 4th, 2024 the day before the secretary's deadline to certify the content of the presidential primary ballot. So what does that mean? That means that the court stays their own ruling. That means their own ruling does not go into effect until January 4th, 2024, the day before the Colorado Secretary of State solidifies what the ballot is going to look like. Okay? So that's very interesting. So they're not even declaring it a rule right now. They're saying we're going to wait a couple weeks until – there's a poten potential review before the Supreme Court, which there automatically was going to be, obviously. If the review is sought at the Supreme Court before the stay expires on January 4th, then the stay shall remain in place, and the Secretary will continue to be required to include President Trump's name on the 2024 ballot until the receipt of any order or mandate from the Supreme Court. So what does that say? So this says that Donald Trump's name will go on the ballot because Donald Trump was always going to appeal this ruling, duh. And so this is a fake ruling. That's what's really important here. Viva Fry saying the exact same thing. This is a fake ruling. So they stayed their own decision, and then they're effectively going to put Donald Trump's name on the ballot anyway. So they're just doing this in order to mess with people, in order to psyop you, in order to get a reaction and hope somebody pops off. So don't pop off. If you pop off, you're a fed. If you see someone posting on a message board saying that horrible things should be done, because they're trying to take Trump off the ballot, you're fed. Because it's all fake. This is fake. It's really important. Good doesn't make it good what they did. It just means that it's not real. Meaning they've built in a, into this ruling, effectively like cowering, and cu cut their own balls off in this ruling by saying, uh, well, the Supreme Court can just come and do it for us. We just wanted to make a point. 
This is the equivalent of scrawling something in a bathroom wall in graffiti. Okay? That's it. It's like spray paint on the side of a train. This is about, it's about as important as the, this law is, this ruling is on paper. That's about as worthwhile as it is on paper. Colorado makes it clear that the point of all this lawfare against Trump is to keep him off the ballot now that they pretended it's about something else. It's not about something else. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, today's ruling attempts to disqualify Donald Trump from the Colorado ballot is nothing but a thin, thinly veiled partisan attack regardless of political affiliation. Every citizen registered to vote should not be denied the right to support the former president and the individual who is leader in every Republican poll. We trust the American Supreme Court will set aside this reckless decision and let the American people decide who is the next president of the United States. Pretty important that the Colorado ballot news, the ruling is stayed until early next year, allowing SCOTUS to weigh in. Yes. And this is what Clarence Thomas is doing right now, Colorado. Clarence Thomas's reaction to the Colorado ruling. Ladies and gentlemen, Vivek Ranswamy texted me as well, saying that he will take his name off the ballot because he doesn't want to run in a state that is so corrupt. I pledge to withdraw from the Colorado ballot unless Trump is allowed to be on the state's ballot. I demand that Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, and Nikki Haley do the same immediately. And they should, absolutely. If a natural-born citizen in the United States is at least 35 years old, has been a resident for 14 years, and has not been convicted of treason, then he has constitutionally protected liberty to be on the ballot in any state. These are the preceding articles that, of course, make this ruling erroneous. <laughs> the Babylon Bee, of course, perfectly. Op-ed, citizen being able to vote the ruling party out of power is an end of democracy. <laughs> yes, correct. Democrats warn that Republicans plan to seal election by blocking Democrats' effort to seal election. Correct. Marco Rubio, the U.S. put sanctions on other countries for doing exactly what the Colorado Supreme Court has done today, preventing people from running for democracy. Jim Jordan, quoting Archery, the pro-democracy party at work. This is ridiculous. Threat to democracy crowd is afraid of voters actually voting for their preferred candidate. It's a joke. And once again, it will backfire. Yes, Donald Trump is going to go up in the polls. Unbelievable, says Ronnie Jackson. This was Ronnie Jackson, member of Congress, uh, and also the former doctor to Donald Trump uh, and Barack Obama. This is what the last days of a nation look like. What a partisan Colorado Supreme Court does is corrupt, outrageous, and un-American. They know they can't beat Trump, so they're rigging the election. He's right. This is what an entirely appointed Democrat governor's Supreme Court looks like. This is what the U.S. Supreme Court will look like if we allow court packing. So Vivek effectively, I'm a TLDR here, Vivek effectively saying, there's no way I'm going to be running in Colorado. I'm taking my name off the ballot because of this. The real reason why Democrats want Donald Trump removed. There it is. Here you go. Boom. There's your real reason right there. In case you're wondering. Again, the 14th Amendment based on insurrection is insane. The only person who died that day was a result of a gunshot wound was a Trump supporter at the hands of law enforcement. And no shootout broke out after this happened. So where's the supposed planned rebellion? Donald Trump never encouraged violence. He was speaking at a rally at the Capitol. He told people to peacefully protest, which is lawful. If you think January 6th and after rebellion and insurrection, you are a joke, says producer ALX. And Byron Donald saying, this is blatant disenfranchisement. Trump says it best. They're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in the way. They'll do it to all of us. They'll do it to everyone who's inconvenient for power. Don't fall for it. This is all to get headlines and to infuriate people and to inflame people. Uh, it's fake. But it's very, very real in the depths of its depravity and its horrors. It's actually showing how much we are winning. Think about it this way. They wouldn't be doing this. They know that this is going to backfire. They're doing this because they're desperate. They're scared. They're paranoid. And they are ready for defeat. Now, all we have to do is go defeat them. Stay based. Stay salty. It's your boy, Benny.
Van Jones on CNN afterwards saying, this is the rise of an American demagogue who's going to live 50 years longer than Trump. This is dangerous. I am shaking. That's what he says. Just shut the f- up. <laughs> At a certain point, just shut the f- up. What's up, guys? Boy, Benny, it brings me great joy to report to you that Republican presidential primary now has its own go f- yourself moment. Modeling after Elon Musk himself. If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f- yourself. Go f- yourself. Okay, Vivek Ramswamy, of course, because of course, right, tells CNN's Van Jones to just go F himself, shut the F up at Turning Point USA Conference. I was backstage when this happened. This was a uproarious moment, ladies and gentlemen. Vivek took the stage right after me and hot damn, did he bring the house down? Okay, so how exactly did we get here? Where does this beef start and where is it going? This is really, really important stuff. So it begins with Vivek Ramswamy talking about uh, January 6th, talking about the Great Replacement Theory, talking about uh, all of the known facts as it pertains to the deep state during the last presidential debate. It sounded like this. It's not Donald Trump. It's not even Joe Biden. It is the deep state that at least Donald Trump attempted to take on. And if you want somebody who's going to speak truth to power, then vote for somebody who's going to speak the truth to you. Why am I the only person on this stage, at least, who can say that January 6th now does look like it was an inside job? That the government lied to us for 20 years about Saudi Arabia's involvement in 9-11. That the Great Replacement Theory is not some grand right-wing conspiracy theory, but a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform. That the 2020 election was indeed stolen by big tech. That the 2016 election, the one that Trump won for sure, was also one that was stolen from him by the national security establishment okay. that actually Thank put up the uh, Trump-Russia okay. collusion okay. opening okay. of false. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, so that prompted Van Jones, the disgraced, fired uh, Obama apparatchik, who was the green energy czar under Obama. He got fired for being like a 9-11 truther, I think. And then, uh, as the story goes, he gets hired by CNN immediately. Had this to say about Vivek. Did he just spews this poison out? is very, very dangerous because he won't stop Trump, but he's going to outlive Trump by about 50 years. And you're watching the rise of an American demagogue that is a very, very despicable person. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, literally, I, I, was, I was shaking listening to him talk because a lot of people don't know that is one step away from Nazi propaganda coming out of his mouth. Okay, so it's the, it's the Indian Nazi. All right, got, got it. Good one. Try harder, Van. And literally shaking. I love it. I love it. It's so delicious. Literally shaking. How many times do we use in the headline? I was literally shaking. Van Jones was literally shaking. So, ladies and gentlemen, what's interesting, uh, by the way, about this little exchange is that Van Jones himself has described how and what will happen when they succeed in creating a world where, Amer- where there is a minority white population in America. These are Van Jones's words, not mine. Please listen for yourself and judge for yourself what Van Jones is uh, uh, considering as a political win. White majority to do something is difficult. And I think it'd be easier if we just acknowledge that it's difficult. 
no ethnic majority group in 10,000 years of human history that I can find ever went from being a majority to being a minority and liked it. And that's basically the request from the racial justice left, is that we want the white majority to go from being a majority to being a minority and like it. And that's like a it. tough request. And the reality is that change is hard. Change that you want is hard. Change that is good is hard. Change that is good, change that you want, and I want you to like it. Going from a majority to a minority. That's Van Jones's words. Not mine. That's the take. You have a problem with it? Take it up with Van Jones. Well, Vivek Ronswamy has a problem with it. Vivek tweeted that clip saying, yesterday Van Jones called me a demagogue for discussing great replacement theory. Well, here is Van Jones' words in 2021. The request from the radical justice left, of which Van Jones is a part of, is we want the white majority to go from being a majority to being a minority and like it. Change is hard. Change is good. Well, that's what Van Jones said. So, like, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? Like, so it goes. Well, uh, the pen is powerful, more powerful than the sword, and words are certainly more powerful than the sword. And Vivek Ramaswamy had words for Van Jones live on a uh, Turning Point stage. The first time I've ever heard an F-bomb dropped on one of these stages. I've been on a lot of Turning Point stages. I've never heard an F-bomb dropped like this, and uh, Vivek was rolling in it. Watch. We demand a government that tells us the truth again in this country. That's what we require. We can handle the truth. That's what it means to be a citizen of this country. <laughs> so I say that on that last debate stage to a bunch of Republicans that are shaking in their boots. These are the things you're not supposed to say in the Republican Party even today. And then you get the mainstream media. You got this character Van Jones on CNN afterwards saying, this is the rise of an American demagogue who's going to live 50 years longer than Trump. This is dangerous. I am shaking. That's what he says. Just shut the f*** up. <laughs> At a certain point, just shut the f*** up. Van Jones at CNN. We're done with it. <laughs> yeah, Vivek is done with CNN. Vivek is done destroying uh, CNN, by the way, uh, which he does with regularity and with great aplomb. Uh, Vivek dropped numerous truth bombs on CNN when he did a CNN town hall earlier in the week and absolutely roasted Abby Phillips. And we'll get you that clip in just a second. But just a reminder that Van Jones isn't the only person that was pissed off by Vivek's comments, Nancy Pelosi talking about the inside job factors on January 6th, was of course, we have the body cam footage. We have all the videos. We have all the tape. The official, whatever you think of January 6th, the official narrative is a lie. The official narrative is false. And so Nancy Pelosi being the person who was very much at the center of the inside job, and what do I mean by that? Like, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is according to the testimony of Stephen Sund, who was the Capitol Police Chief at the time, Nancy Pelosi's team, who was the only team that could pick up the phone and request the National Guard to be deployed, didn't pick up the phone, did not respond to him for 90 minutes whilst the breach teams were moving towards the Capitol building. They kept calling and she didn't pick up. I would like to know why that happened. Everyone would like to know why that happened. Nobody wanted January 6th to happen. Most, most uh, top level, me, right? It has been inconvenient, obviously, uh, and it has been very convenient for the left from a narrative perspective, right? 
And so it is very, like, I don't want January 6th to happen. But that's why I was totally in favor of Donald Trump, who wanted 20,000 National Guard troops to be stationed at the Capitol. And Nancy Pelosi, again, said no. So why is Nancy Pelosi saying no? I would like to know the answers to that. Nancy Pelosi says January 6th was an inside job, responding to the fake. It was an inside job by Donald Trump. Really, how can you stage an insurrection when you're the one putting federal troops there to protect the building? Donald Trump ordered 20,000 federal troops there. Nancy Pelosi rejected them. Nancy Pelosi didn't pick up the phone calls. And so I guess judge, you know, judge a man by his enemies and Vivek's enemies are, um, well, losing their minds and literally shaking. Check this out from Vivek on CNN, uh, making the uh, anchor there, the host, Abby Phillips, who has to read from cue cards, literally shaking. Uh, it seems to be a trend here. Let me ask you about something that you said at the debate last week. You used the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. The next day, Capitol rioter Alan Hosteller uh, highlighted your comments at his sentencing. He is going to prison for 11 years. Hosteller uh, threatened members of Congress. He brought a hatchet, knives, pepper spray, sun batons, tactical gear to the U.S. Capitol. Are you concerned that a convicted felon like that is now promoting your comments in court? So here's my concern, Abby, and I want to tell you guys where I'm at. If you had told me, it's close to three years ago that January 6, 2021 happened. If you had told me three years ago, back when I was a biotech CEO, not steeped in this world, I was just consuming passive media but was focused on my world of developing medicines. If you had told me that January 6 was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, I would have told you that was crazy talk. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years about the origin of COVID-19, about the Hunter Biden laptop that we were told was false by 51 CIA experts and otherwise before we now know that it was true. You can go straight down the list, the Trump-Russia disinformation collusion hoax, all of it. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. I think it's Mr. a shame. Robert, if, if I may finish this answer. Well, let me this just, is, this is really I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because, because you're I saying know this, that there the establishment were, doesn't approve of this message. I know that there this, were federal we should agents. be able to talk about this. You're saying that there were federal this is, agents. This is important to talk about. You are saying there were federal agents in the crowd on, on, yes. on January 6th. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January 6th. So, so why before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say how many there were. So you're saying that there's no, that you have not seen evi- any evidence so that we've there seen were. Multiple, and so we've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people were, we know people were FBI informants who were asked. Is there any evidence? Well, let me clarify. I know it's very uncomfortable for you. I'm going to clarify my question. I know question this is an uncomfortable issue for many people, but you, we have to do the truth here. I'm going to clarify my question because I want to make sure that you understand oh, what I'm oh, asking. I, I understand this. And I told you, I was where with you three years the, ago. I'm not there now. Where is the evidence? Yes. Where is the evidence that the government had a plot, so an inside job, I, but no, no, I'm not saying inside job because I'm not going to. I'm not violence on January 6th. Where I'm not going to let you put words in my that? mouth. I'm going to put my words in my mouth, and I'm going to tell you what what where I mean by that. Where is the evidence that the government was involved Entrapment. in planning or executing okay. January 6th? Where so I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you hard facts, and, and if I may, Abby, I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable. But we're going we're, we're gonna to go through this, and you can, and you can, you can push Just back on it after the evidence. That. And you can push back on that. And let's do this fairly. Why did they suppress footage of now what's been released, 200 hours of footage of shooting rubber bullets into that crowd, shooting T-34 
tear gas into that crowd. You didn't see that before. You saw what the response was to that. Uh, now you see footage Ms. coming out of actually rolling out the red carpet for Capitol Mr. Police allowing people in. Again, right through the front the door. The vast majority I mean, of that footage evidence should have been released shows, before, Abby. Mr. Ramaswamy, the vast majority been of the before. footage shows and my police officers is this. being overrun and, and I want to talk about one more by case. violent really riders. That's yeah, I'm going to give you a hard fact. So here's what entrapment is. You can't cherry pick. I'm not cherry picking. If I may finish, Abby. If I may finish, Abby. I'm not cherry picking. To the contrary. To the country, you know who cherry picked? You know who cherry picked? The government that that is what happened The government cherry picked 12 hours of footage when there was 200 hours of footage. The cherry picking was the government, not me. Release so, the whole thing. And let me, let me just finish one thing, too, because this is super important as a topic. So when you, I when, think this is a civil libertarian issue of our time. When we Gretchen talking, Whitmer's kidnapping. I want to keep it. I want to be really clear on this because it's the same issue in the same FBI, same even part of the FBI. Three people who were in an alleged plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer were acquitted at the end of trial. Because it was entrapment. That is, government agents put them up to do something they otherwise wouldn't have done. They gave them credit cards with spending limits of up to $5,000, encouraged them to buy munitions, plan something they weren't otherwise willing to plan. So much so, and I want people at home to know this, especially CNN viewers to know this, is that one of the jurors went to those defendants and apologized afterwards, gave him a hug, apologized, seeing what the government had put a poor guy up to, who had to go to some Mexican restaurant across the street to get hot water. These people were exploited with credit cards up to $5,000, FBI agents, putting them up to a kidnapping plot that we were told was true but was entrapment. 14, Same thing with the Capitol Police, people Mr. letting them in freely. Many of those people Mr. then Mr. being charged. Look, the government cannot I, put you up I to do something and then Mr. charge Mr. you for it. That's wrong. I don't want to have to interrupt you. I really don't. But I don't want you to mislead the audience here or I'm at not. home. I'm not. I think they've been misled by mainstream media. 
Y'all not even good at football. Yeah, um, like every quarterback in the Hall of Fame, like almost every single quarterback in the NFL, like every single offensive good offensive lineman that ever played the game, like most high-quality linebackers that ever played. Anyway, can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your greatest of all time. Literally what? And then here's the Clay. By the way, Clay Matthews, a white guy, uh, caused this fumble. And the famous, um, the famous line was another famous white linebacker. Um, why can't I think of his name right now? One of the best all time to play the game. Played with the Panthers for a long time. Ended up the linebacker coach in, um, in Green Bay told him it's time. And then like on the very next play, uh, he caused this fumble, a fumble that has haunted this guy ever since. I think this was a 2001 Super Bowl. I know you don't care about sports, but it's not really about sports. Um, Kevin Green was a linebacker. My apologies. So he puts this stuff out. Jason Whitlock absolutely puts him on blast. You see this, Rashard Mendenhall, Kendrick Perkins, and Gilbert Arenas all made the same case. White athletes are inferior and have no place in black spaces like the NFL and NBA. Seems pretty racist. Most of the people saying Rashard Mendenhall still trying to get over his fumble, which he still deflects blame for. He was a heck of a player. I wish he could move on. Um, You know, Tom Brady's got, I don't know, six Super Bowls. He's a white guy. Sure, you know, we'd get cooked at at wide receiver. We'd need to play some serious zone defense. Um, But this is insane. Sports media is silent on Rashard Mendenhall's anti-white tweet calls for neo-segregation. Few industries purport to have a lower tolerance for racism than sports media. The industry created specific jobs, but be it at ESPN's Anscape USA Today and NFL Network to cover the intersection of sports and race. Pundits like Robert Griffin III, Jamel Hill, and Mike Freeman have jobs specifically to call out racism in sports. Yet actual examples of racism are extremely scarce, hence the rise of manufactured scandals such as BYU's Duke volleyball scandal, the Bubba Wallace garage gate, and the idea that NFL teams are still discriminating against black quarterbacks. But Monday presented the race hustlers with a real story to cover. Former NFL running back Richard Mendenhall posted on X that white people are not good at football, that he wishes whites would stop talking about football, and the NFL should segregate the Pro Bowl. And of course, people show this clip. Of course, replying to him, on the first play of the fourth quarter, the Packers holding a slim four-point lead, a jarring Clay Matthews and Ryan Pickett hit forces Steelers running back Richard Mendenhall to fumble in Green Bay territory, recovered by the Packers' Desmond Bishop. Went on to win that Super Bowl. Mendenhall's post is ignorant. It promotes neo-segregation on the football field. His post is racist. However, none of the usual suspects in sports media denounced the post, nor have the anti-racist traffic officers condemned the message. The sports journalist who dug up Josh Allen's old tweets on draft night simply to frame him as a racist and derail his draft stock are silent. 
Gadsbin claims to be so exhausted by racism that it falsely accused a little boy of hating black and Native American people last month, yet Deadspin has yet to provide any coverage of Mendenhall's obvious disdain towards white people. By the way, these folks always date white women, too, and are married to white women. Robert Griffin III is married to a white woman. Mendenhall is also married to a white woman. What's this saying that um, Jason Wilcox says, love the fruit, hate the tree, something like that? Um, I don't know. That's what he said. That's not my words. I don't know if that's some wildly spicy thing to say, but that's what he said. In fact, CBS analyst J.J. Watt and ESPN host Pat McAfee are the only notable media members who even comment on Mendenhall's post thus far. The likes of Stephen A. Smith, Mike Florier, and Shannon Sharp have not. But neither Watt nor McAfee even criticized Mendenhall during their coverage and said they made light of his proposal to separate white players from black players. We're not knocking those who make jokes about idiocy. We certainly have. And humorous as it is that Mendenhall claims white players cannot ball when he's best known for fumbling the ball in the Super Bowl at the hands of a white player. However, it's a combination of telling and cringe that the corporate media's only way of covering the story is by making it a joke. They wouldn't dare hold Mendenhall accountable for his obviously racist tweet. This is via Outkick.com, by the way. Uh, Mendenhall's comments would also be funnier if his opinion wasn't shared by other athletes, yet they are. The idea that white players are inferior has crept back into the mainstream discussion as of late. Last year, ESPN analyst Kendrick Perkins claimed that black players in the NBA feel that white players like Nikola Jokic do not possess the skill set to win the MVP award unless white voters grade them on a curve. Perkins not so subtly revealed that some black players are territorial about sharing a league with white players. Something that I, he's telling the truth about, I'm sure. Former guard Gilbert Arenas was more direct. Last week, he encouraged Draymond Green to, quote, take out white European players and send them back to Europe because they're coming for, uh, for their league. In different tones, Mendenhall, Perkins, and Arenas each made the same case. White athletes have no place in black spaces like the NFL and NBA. Rule of thumb, if you're in support of segregation, you are not anti-racist. You are, in fact, the racist. And the media should hold you accountable for that opinion, even if you are black and spewing racism towards other white, towards white people. Skin color does not define racism. Actions do words do. Unfortunately, the sports media doesn't see it that way. And Jason Whitlock absolutely cooked Mendenhall over this. He wrote, as soon as I heard Richard Mendenhall's ignorant comments, I went to check on his wife. No surprise. These love the fruit, hate the tree Negroes, his word, not mine, are always doing way too much to try and restore their, quote, blackness. No one who knows me thinks I have a problem with interracial dating. No one. My problem is with these guilt-ridden fake Negroes who make buffoonish comments to master love of white meat. Find a new gimmick. Damn! I mean, I don't care that, uh, you know, Robert Griffin III is dating a white chick. I don't care about that. I don't normally, I'm not a big Whitlock guy. Hey, look at my tweet. I got 400 likes. Said your video quality, video quality to match your handles, go pack also, you're racist. This guy says RG3 is exactly the same. I mean... You know, the ratio, by the way, is pretty hilarious. Nearly 20,000 comments to a few thousand likes. 
Here's many such cases. This person, those that constantly seem to holler about racism in America always seem to be in relationships with white people. What does that dinner table conversation look like at night? I don't know who this individual is, but that's that's awfully curious. I mean, and like, he's not wrong. And Mendenhall's been getting absolutely destroyed, by the way. Like, everything about this is amazing to me. Ahmed the poet. Mendenhall is only echoing a sentiment that's been spoken by many this year. Too many unqualified voices speaking on and to things they have no experience with. Bro, that's not what Mendenhall said. Mendenhall has an issue with white people. Oh, the other person's a comedian. Okay. And by the way, brutally ratioed, 572 just to 50 likes. Bold move to come to the public square and demand that women no longer be allowed to talk about men's sports. Not sure you thought this tweet out very well. So white people are unqualified because he absolutely said white people are unqualified. I mean, he's just saying, by the way, this is what he believes, right? Simply tired of being berated by people who aren't experts in the game. We just pretend like I'm the only athlete athlete tired of fans talking trash. Bro, you said you brought up race. You didn't bring up fans talking trash. I mean, I'm sure people remind him. You know, 3.9 average per care behind the great O-line. Hmm, don't know about that one, Chief. Uh, we stupid fans pay your salary, you doorknob. Wait, let's bring that back, calling people doorknobs. I like that. Bobby Burek says, also, if you're mad at, quote, people who aren't experts in the game, why did you direct your tweet at white people? Are all experts black? Do white people not understand the game? It seems you are mad that a white person caused you to fumble in the Super Bowl and still can't get over it. You posted a racist tweet, but you are the victim. Here's, uh, this guy looks like, I don't know who this is, but they, they crush all, they follow me. Delete this little bro. You fumbled the biggest moment of your life and now you're getting double ratioed. It's okay. Just blame it on CTE. Like you guys love to do when you ruin your life. Jesus. I mean, geez. John Root, but white people are the problem. Just apologize and takes responsibility if you're a racist tweet. Here's a, uh, um, Dominique Claire, uh, who is an NFL and NBA sports writer, writing uh, N-word with the A. You didn't talk about football knowledge. You made it about race. I'm assuming this person is black. Let's run with your logic, though. Just because someone is better at football doesn't mean they understand the game more. Oftentimes, people who are more athletic, stronger, get reps because you can't teach that. A good coach will find a way to use them. I know many good players who are dumb as a bag of rocks. I mean, just the, 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 the underlying point here is, uh, you know, I'm great at football. Literally, the reasons I lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, I can't even, I haven't thought about that Super Bowl. It was a million years ago. But, I mean, every, I mean, the sad part is, look, Jason Whit- Whitlock was a little extra here, I think. Uh, I can't be, I can't really be getting involved in the, the, the black-on-black stuff. But, He's not wrong in that a lot of these dudes seem to be married to white people um, who are always whining about racial segregation and while white people did this bat and the other thing. Um, You know, I'm not exactly sure 
Hey, Jason Wicklock just uh, retweeted uh, Luke Rutkowski. You know, that's that's all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know about a race bowl, but I, I you know, probably, f- you know, five out of the top eight defensive linemen in the league are white. Five out of the top ten, eight, seven or eight are, are offensive linemen are white. Probably all top ten quarterbacks are white. Um with the exception of maybe Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts get in there, I suppose. Um, the majority of the top quarterbacks are white. Uh, the majority of the best tight ends are white. George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. The um, you know linebackers, DBs are all, the best DBs are, I'm sure, black. But, I mean, uh, Pat, uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey is the number one running back in the NFL. He's white. Um now I don't know about where you're going to place the mixed people at, but if they, I think they should be on the white side. So you get Patrick Mahomes, you get, I mean, the the idea that like you get Adam Thielen, he's a white guy, solid receiver. Um, you know, I I just know, uh, you know, look the NBA, all this is coming from a place of insecurity. You know, you talk about the NBA where you have these European players coming and taking over. It's weak. It's a it's a racist take. And uh, he's trying to, this is, as is many of the cases where you get some ignorant racist take, in particular about white people from black people, they try to pretend like it's some big brain take that you just couldn't possibly understand. Just say you're racist, dog. I mean, that's that's what you are. You're just racist. So, uh, you know, enjoy your multi-ratio and uh, multi-day copency, though. I'm going to say say anything, just remotely racist, misogynistic, transphobic, or otherwise inflammatory and gross. Oh shit, here we go again. Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind. Well, today's a first. I just finished a video mostly focused on culture, you know, the secular snake oil that's marketed to our youth. In that video, I spoke mostly about abortion, but the general topic was responsibility and obviously safe sex, and how our culture is failing this next generation. Well, right after I finished recording that video, another one popped up on my Twitter feed, which pretty much falls right in line. So today we got two videos focused on culture and sex. Definitely a first for the channel, but an important topic nonetheless. The video we're going to watch and talk about today has already been viewed multiple millions of times. I'll show you exactly why it's going viral. We got some stuff to get into, so let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so here's the video that pretty much everybody right now on Twitter is passing around and discussing. We have a relatively young girl here, looks, I'd say, college-aged, effing around and severely finding out. Today, my whole life could change, and I'm scared. Friday night, I started having a burning sensation whenever I peed. Uh, was not pleasant. So Saturday, I went to urgent care, and they put me on medication for a UTI. So I started the UTI medication on Sunday, and then that night, I noticed that my right lymph node in my groin was swollen. By Monday, the UTI meds still haven't kicked in. It still really hurt whenever I peed. Um, So I called to make an appointment with my gyno. And it's now Wednesday. My appointment's in like half an hour. (sighs) This subject is very 
stigmatized, has a lot of shame around it. But then I noticed warts on my genitals. Very, very painful. These last few days, I've just felt run down, icky, haven't had an appetite, uncomfortable. It hurts to walk. It hurts to sit. It Everything hurts. I'm scared. I'm scared. If it's herpes, I know it's not the end of the world. I'm about to go to my appointment now, so I will come back with an update. I have herpes. If I want to have unprotected sex, I have to tell them. I don't know how this is going to affect my dating life. I can't give birth vaginally if I have an outbreak. I don't know. I don't fucking know how I'm supposed to tell my parents this. It's also just painful. And I'm going to have these outbreaks for the rest of my life. I feel like my parents are going to be so disappointed in me. I just... I don't know. Now look, not to be a jerk, and I don't do this to be mean, but this is a true case of F around and find out. The more you F around, the more you will find out. But again, it's one of those situations, just like the other video I recorded, where I don't blame the young girl. It'd be very easy to drag this young girl down, to blame her, you know, to be rude, but I view her as a victim. This young girl was sold a false bill of goods. This young girl, like millions of others, was told, hashtag slay girl boss, hashtag queen, hashtag you don't need no man, safe sex, Pfft. who needs that, it's 2023. Body count 700, Pfft. slut shame much, it's 2023. Yeah, it is 2023. And you know what's unique about 2023 when it comes to human biology and humans in general? Yeah, it turns out not much. Sure, we have all this new fancy technology, but at the end of the day, human biology hasn't really changed. I mean, maybe a little from the caveman era, sure, but let's look a couple hundred years ago. The facts surrounding human procreation remain. Mass, pleasure-seeking, non-stop, unprotected sex that would never be viable. Why? Because of transmission of diseases, accidental creation of life. Not to mention all the psychological harm and societal harm that this type of environment causes, which by the way I think we're currently seeing. Declining birth rates, male suicide, male depression, alcoholism, general loneliness as it pertains to men and women. You know why they didn't do that in the 1800s? Because it was a bad idea then, and so most likely it's a bad idea now. It seems like we have these young kids learning for the first time that there's consequences in life. You know, I feel bad for this young girl because these young girls have been lied to about the consequences of having sex outside of your marriage. Or just having unprotected sex in general, viewing it as an activity rather than a sacred ritual. The reality is, sex has turned into a product that is marketed, packed, sold, and shipped. We are being sold it. We are being told to indulge in it. It's an everyday, constant thing. We're being bombarded with it. 
And of course, the more that happens, the more we become desensitized to it. We don't teach kids to treat their bodies as sacred anymore. We teach kids, and especially we teach young girls, to objectify themselves and monetize themselves. And this is being sold to them as modern feminism, as empowerment. It's the exact opposite. You are being freaking scammed. You're being told you're looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Don't go into the loving arms of a man. That's oppression. That is prison. Go into a cubicle and slave away so you can get a two-week vacation to Cancun, Mexico. Now that's empowerment. You don't need no man. Why would you need a man when you have a Tesla parked out in front? These young girls are falling for it. And what are they left with? Loneliness? Dying alone with two cats? What does that give you if you're successful? A big frickin' house with nobody in it? You and all of your inanimate objects? What does chasing pleasure bring you? It brings you a life of regret and consequences. This is what happens when you run around being completely irresponsible without any guidance, chasing whatever's fun or whatever's trendy. Eventually, that lifestyle catches up to you. And unfortunately for this young girl, it caught up to her extremely young. It's a weird kind of thing to be reacting to a video like this, but hey, it's the modern day. I mean, these young kids are filming these TikToks. She was worried about her parents finding out, but had apparently no worry in the world releasing the entire traumatic timeline to her live audience of potentially millions on TikTok. But anyways, it's a weird thing to be watching these videos, but it's just the current state of reality. It's not a good one, but it's certainly an interesting one in a way. The question I keep asking myself, I mean, the question is here, how do we reverse this trend of societal decline? How do we bring back values? teach these young kids to be responsible and how do we bring back the family because obviously the family is dying we better think of something fast and act fast because if the family's dying society won't follow too far behind anyways that's what i got for you guys on this one if you enjoyed the video make sure to leave a like and possibly subscribe to the channel thanks for watching friends and i'll see you on the next one all right we are back thank you everybody for joining us uh, we do have Adrian uh, with us tonight here as soon as the switchboard cooperates. Adrian, welcome in. Adrian, that's you. All right, so I'll see if I can get Adrian's attention here, but Adrian said that we have a guest, and I don't have any bio or any information here. I just know that Adrian brought a guest. So, Adrian, your mic is open. Uh, I cannot hear you. All right, let me go ahead and get this started here. I, I've seen the 407 number here uh, for a little bit here. So, um, let me bring her in. Uh, welcome in, guest. Uh, sorry, I don't know much about you. I apologize, but welcome in. Good evening, and my name is Carly. Nice to meet you, and thank you for having me on today. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, I, I uh, yeah, all I know is that Adrian was supposed to bring a guest in, so I, I don't know much. Uh, let me try to, as soon as her phone comes back up here, uh, I'll let her lead the way here, but what what can we know about you so far? Well, yes. So my name is Carly. I'm a friend of Adrian, and um, so I happen to be a multicultural strategist. Um, I actually live in, in Atlanta, 
in Georgia, and I, I wanted to just talk, you know, about what's happening in our state and why it's so important as a nation. Uh, as we're, obviously, all of us are paying attention to our country's politics, but I wanted to discuss more about the aspect of the minority vote and why it's so and crucial for our the conservative movement to really start building inroads and building bridges with the minority communities. And I'm talking about African Americans, Hispanics, and also Asians in addition to Generation Z, uh, which is very important for the conservative base to go after them. Absolutely. And I'm just watching video after video of people that are Hispanic or black in the in the projects in, in both uh, the Chicago area, in the south side where there's been shootings on the regular, and even in Harlem in New York, where they absolutely don't want branded in there anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, it, so. Oh, go ahead, please. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I apologize. Oh, I, I was just adding to that, that it says that uh, it's just that it's nice to see people from other areas where the Democrats just assumed their vote, and mm-hmm. now that that's not the case. Absolutely not. So I'm a numbers person. Uh, so I actually grew up in New York. Um, I, you know, I grew up in New York and oh, went to college here. in Florida. And throughout my career in New York and D.C., I was I've been very politically active, and also I have a, an extensive background in media. So I say all that because having worked, having lived and worked in urban cities like New York City, for example, and then also D.C. and now Atlanta. Uh, what's fascinating, in a, in a, as far as as we spearhead towards 2024, is what President Trump has done uh, in his first campaign back in 2016, he has revolutionized the entire political, uh, you know, the political platform. Um, he is an outside, uh, always an outsider, but in a sense of like, um, he's a visionary. Uh, as a New Yorker, I can definitely relate to President Trump. Uh, that, that's our tone. That's how we get things done. Uh, we don't sugarcoat. We mean business. But I always tell people when you want to get things done, you hire a New Yorker. Uh, so he's a business guy, and what what, we, what he's done in our country when he was president, and even though he's uh, inactive now in the sense of, of, of being a president, uh, he has made an enormous contribution to our nation, obviously in the economy, uh, in, in so many uh, legislations that he has passed, right? And um, but most importantly, he has also changed the narrative that so many that so many liberals and obviously people on the on the left. They have held on for so long against uh, American Americans, especially people of color, and that is changing. Um, you know, one of the things I always talk to leaders, whether it's here in Georgia or in different parts of the country, because as a strategist, I work with different clients, and I tell them that it's really important when any time there's an election cycle, you want to at least start out a year and a half rolling out your your plan to engage with the community. Mm-hmm. Now more than ever, um, you know, it's important that what, have, what happened with President Trump and these, all these crazy allegations and accusations and, uh, who, that have come against him it is actually winning him favor with a lot of people, especially people of color. Um, the week that he came to Atlanta to get his mugshot, you know, I'm sure you and many people have seen the enormous support that he was getting. Uh, from our from all over the country, and of course in the inner city, 
And uh, so people are really waking up to and it's waking up to what's happening. They're understanding that this is not just about President Trump, but this is coming. This is about you know um, the persecution and and a lot of other situations that are coming. The cancel culture that are coming against conservatives, right? That are coming against the average American, and people are waking up to that. So how does this apply to the minority community? Well, for starters, minorities tend to be conservative. Uh, we, we want the American dream. Um, you know, when you go into, you know, I, I think it was like three, four weeks ago, there was an, uh, a news uh, clip about uh, even people in, in Chicago, downtown Chicago, you know, which is, you know, apparently a, a liberal stronghold. They are already turning against that. So you see that people are, are waking up, they're seeing for what it is, and they're starting to realize that perhaps their policies of the Democrats are not, have not been productive in, in, in their lives. And like, you know what, we're going to switch over. And this is why I think it's important as conservatives and, as, and also in this case, Republicans, right? Because it's, it's the party. I think it's our momentum to really start building inroads and, and also building relationships with these communities and give them a home, at least for them to come here, you know, and, and you know, they can also uh, vote as, as they please, right? Uh, the thing of the matter is, most of the time, people say, well, Carly, well, how come a lot of, you know, minorities vote Democrat? The answer is very simple, because we haven't done our job in reaching out to them. But I promise you that if we do, and we do it from a heart and a spirit of authenticity and care and compassion, and we just express our values and we meet them where they are, you'll see that they will join our movement. So let me just mention one thing here, and I do have Adrian, I believe, with us, but I just wanted to get one other question out here uh, real quick. So not really a question, but a, a statement, I guess, that the Jewish community is leaving by leaps and bounds because they basically are, are being heavily discriminated on, and the Democrats are more worried about what, uh, how can we appease Hamas and not... How do we make uh, peace with everybody? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the Jewish population, finally they're waking up because mm-hmm. uh, at this rate, they're, they're going to be uh, euthanized here. Uh, and the youth between 18 and, and 30, uh, more, uh, what was it? I saw in a Gateway Pundit, 70 or 75% of people between 18 and 30 want Israel to be given to Hamas? It's, it's crazy. Uh, and this is why, again, we need to generate, we talk about Generation Z, right? So, um, you know, before I even, I, I even answer your question, I want to give you some stats because people need to know I'm a numbers person and we have to go by data, right? So right. first and foremost, the U.S. Pop, so I want to give you like the national scale. The U.S. population right now, it stands about 340 million people. Out of that population, 340 million people, correct? Well, you know, for the most part, right? Yeah. Because we don't know all the the ones that are coming in or not. But uh, the 82% of that population happens to be in urban cities across our country. 19% of that population are Hispanic American. 13% 13% are African-American, 6.3% are Asian-American, 21% are Generation Z, 21%, okay? It's a big number. And then 70% of them are Christian, okay? And, of course, then you have the other subgroups. Now, 
here's what I wanted to highlight. So the number one minority right now happens to be Hispanic Americans. Now, you're talking about Generation Z. I, you know, recently have been working with college students. I have a passion for college students. Uh, I love the Generation Zers. They, they, they want the American dream. They want truth. They are, they have, um, unfortunately, they've been bombarded with so much indoctrination and so much wokeism and so much lies and deception. And the, this generation really wants truth. They want people to teach them life skills. They want people to, the older generations, obviously, to teach them life skills and, of course, professional skills, but also to pour love into them because they are curious to know what are the tools that I need in order for me to be successful in this country, okay? Very crucial, and I tell leaders all the time, if you are over the age of 35, it is very important for you to make the time and invest into Gen Z and the ones that follow because if we don't, the other side does. And unless you go into these college campuses, whether they're HBCUs or non-HBCUs, the other side are very active. They are constantly bombarding the, this, this, that generation with a lot of indoctrination and a lot of wokeism and socialism and all the isms. And this is where it's our time to really go after this generation. Now, in regards to the Jewish uh, population, you are correct. Uh, for the most part, you know, I happen to be from my mom's other family, we're Jewish. Uh, but I'm also Christian, and the reality is, um, for the most part, you know, Jews have, for the longest time, I grew up in New York, a lot of my friends are Jewish, were, were liberal. I'm, I wasn't, but they were, you know, and you see that change is also shifting, right? After what has happened in Israel back in October, you're starting to see that now they're changing a different perspective. So, again, we are seeing a cultural demographic shift, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's faith. We're starting to see that, okay? And, again, this is why anyone with discernment, and if you are a Christian, right, if you're a believer, you know, God gives us spiritual discernment to really discern the, the times that we're living in and see how his hand is moving across our nation. And this is why this is the time as conservatives. I mean, look, as a New Yorker, you know, um, I, I give tough love. And this is what our culture needs right now. We need tough love, and it also starts with among conservatives and those in the Republican Party. Enough with the distractions, okay? The other side, they're working constantly. They, they are the best fundraisers. They are the best planners. They plan ahead, they plan ahead way ahead in, in advance. They are, at the end of the day, when it comes to opposition, which is what the conserv- you know, who we are, the conservatives, they are organized. They are united. They are tenacious. They are focused. They sacrifice everything. Yes, they also play dirty, but I'm not talking about, I'm talking about what it takes, the determination. And yet so many on our end, on the conservative right, it is really hard to get people to mobilize. The other thing I wanted to also mention is that on the other left, they're very good at taking care of their people. What do I mean by that? They compensate their people. They pay their people. The money that they receive, they use that money to what? Distribute those to distribute that money so that they can have their go out the vote efforts on the ground at least a year and a half out. And in some cases, for the most part, it's all year round. So they pay their people. They give them giveaways. There's incentives. And I tell you, because I've seen I've seen this firsthand. You can get a Democrat. They make one phone call, and they have 50 activists in a matter of hours, and we can't even get that to our people. So what, is, what, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, number one, be focused and work hard. And, yes, we need to also 
a plan ahead. We need to have a strategy. As a strategist, I speak as one. We need to have a strategy. Enough for shooting from the hip. Enough where I think and I believe. No, there has to be metrics. There has to be projections. There has to be numbers and data, and you have to be organized. And, of course, you have to also have enough money and take care of your people. People are going to bet for you when they're being compensated, right? So this free labor volunteer nonsense, it has got to go because obviously it's not working. People, the grassroots on the ground, those are the most powerful and most effective people in any political movement or organizational movement. Without them, you don't have a movement, and they have to be taken care of, right? So this is why, it's, again, as I mean, we are literally 321 days left from next year's election. And I I tell leaders across the board, if you want to work and collaborate, I'm going to tell you I run a tight ship. This, unfortunately, there has been war declared against our nation. There's a culture war. There is a religious war. There is a a free speech war. I mean, there's there's a war on everything you can imagine. And the the very soul of our nation is at great stake. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm being a realist. Okay, we can vent all we want. That's great. That's not success. We need action. Our people on our right, we need to be committed to sacrifice. What does that mean? We're going to have to sacrifice our weekends. We sacrifice our holidays. We sacrifice, I have to take little Johnny to the park. I got to take my family to Hawaii. Oh, my goodness, I have to go and tailgate at the football game. There is no time for that. If you really want to win, You're going to have to put your blood, sweat, and tears and really fight for God and country. Otherwise, we're not going to have anything. You know why? Because the other side is determined. The other side is focused. The other side, when they see us, their job is we're going to take this country over and we're going to make it blue. So unless people are fed up with the shenanigans that we have faced these last several years and the culture war that has been declared for decades, if you have have had enough is enough, I am asking, I'm telling my patriots, I'm telling my fellow Christians, it is time to roll up your sleeves. It is time to work overtime, and we will celebrate come November 5th in the mighty name of Christ, okay? But until then, we have to be laser-focused and intentional in our efforts to ensure the freedom, to ensure the, the security, and all the great, beautiful things that this country has been based on. Otherwise... We're going to lose it. But as a believer, you know, as someone that knows God, I happen to be also a minister, you know, um, and I'm here to tell you and encourage you all that I know that God is leading the charge. I know that God is not done with this nation. He is not done with Georgia, which is a a huge battleground state. God is not done with what he wants to do for us in, in this country. However, that doesn't mean that we just, sit back and relax and not do anything. We need to be on guard. We need to work hard. And with God before us, the best is yet to come. And I know that the hand of God is upon President Trump. Uh, You know, a lot of us know, you know, those that pray, those that spend time with the world, we know the hand of God, the anointing, the favor of God is upon him. And I know that, again, you know, we were seeing what's happening with Argentina just a couple of weeks ago. You see what's happening in El Salvador. It's the hand of God that's moving through leaders. As God told me in prayer a few weeks ago, when, when, when Malay won in Argentina, I said, God, I see you're moving and your word is coming to pass. When you told me years ago that the time was coming when you were going to overturn wicked leaders and wicked governments, and it's happening. And that same night, the night that, the, the, the day after the Malay, no, that same night that Malay won, 
I said, Lord, um, your, your word's coming to pass. And he told me, daughter, he's like, I am using imperfect vessels to overthrow governments, wicked governments, and I'm here to pluck out the evil. You know, so I'm excited because you see God moving. You see that justice little by little is prevailing. Liberty is the heart of all, is the heart of God, and it's the heart of this nation. Liberty and justice and freedom. And little by little, we're starting to see that. So this is the time where we occupy the land, as they say, right? We're here to, you know, fight for this nation. You know, we can watch all these patriotic movies that we love and, and, and we cherish and stuff, but this is our time as Americans to come collectively putting God before, first before us and then country and family. And this is it. So that's the call to action. You know, I'm very passionate about it. And this is the, this is the hill that I'm willing to fight for because it is worth it. And I always tell adults in the room, this is not about you. I'm sorry. This is not about your position. This is not about your title. This is not about your money. Are you willing to sacrifice everything for God and country? It's not about us, you guys. We're adults in the room. It's about our kids and our grandkids. It's about the legacy that we're going to give them. That's what it comes down to. And when you go to these college campuses and you go and you, and you look at these kids' faces, and it just, it's a reminder that it's for them. Because one day they're going to say, you had a chance, Carly. You had a chance. Or all your, all, all, your whole generation had a chance to do something that was right. Why did you bail out? Why did you cower? Why did you give up? Did you, did you, why didn't you fight for me? And that's something that I never want to feel like I didn't do enough. And I know that there's great warriors out there, but with everything, fighting for something is going to cost you. And that's why I'm calling my fellow Americans. You're going to have to pay the cost. Are you in it to win it? All right. So, Thank you for that. Uh, I just wanted to bring Adrian in here because she's been waiting patiently to uh, to get in. So, Adrian, if you're on, uh, I'll let you uh, take over here. Hey, Yafru and Carly, can you hear me all right? Yeah, go hey, ahead. Hey, Adrian. Hey, good evening. Sorry, I was uh, having some technical difficulties. I'm glad that you could make it and join us tonight. Thank you for having me, Adrian. I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I got a few comments, and then I got some questions for you about uh, some of the work that you do. Um, I wasn't able to share with our audience your bio, but I would definitely like to do that now. Oh, go ahead. All right, so Carly, uh, as she explained, she's a multicultural strategist with extensive experience in the general African-American, Hispanic faith, and Generation Z markets in the media, governmental, and educational industries within the corporate and nonprofit arena. She is passionate in equipping leaders on how to become more effective in Did I lose you? Collectively Rewilding is an online forum for learning, sharing, and teaching the skills needed to enhance our experience in the natural world. We're looking for the best mentors, guides, and instructors 
who can teach a variety of natural skill sets. If you've got something to share, we have the platform to help you make a difference for free. If you are more interested in learning and expanding your abilities in nature, please join us as a member to explore the world of rewilding. Join us at www.collectivelyrewilding.com today. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.